Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, September 24th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always on Thursdays, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, let's start off with some news. On Saturday, Texas received a commitment from Jalen Gilbo. Jalen's a 2022 cornerback from Port Arthur Memorial. Four-star talent, 5'11", 175. He offers from Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Penn State. So obviously a recruit that a lot of schools are going after. What kind of recruit is Jalen Gilbo, and how excited should Texas fans be about this commitment? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a really good player, so I think Texas fans uh, should be excited. Uh, probably one of the better cornerbacks Texas has had committed uh, since that 2018 class with Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, uh, Jalen Green. I think he's up there with those kind of guys in terms of uh, a prospect, probably going to be uh, a guy who's, you know, at the opening uh, is a Fab 55 member, for example, a national top 150 uh, recruit so a really good player somebody who can play outside corner can probably play in the nickel because he's really quick and is, is a pretty physical player so um, you know I, I think this 2022 is kind of that first class for this new staff to really make their their impression and uh, starting to kind of see what kind of players they like on the offensive and defensive side of the football. I'm a little curious about how easy or difficult it is to recruit the cornerback position obviously if you're a quarterback you can throw the ball, and that's not hard. To, that's not hard to see on film. If you're a receiver, you know it's easy to see you catch the ball or see how, clock how fast you are. For an offensive lineman, you know there's things you can look at size wise to see if that translates to the college game. But as far as a cornerback, I'm just interested. You know, is that difficult because we don't know how good the people he's seen at you know in Port, Port Arthur is. I don't know how many quarterbacks. Uh, that are college ready, uh, you know, Jalen gets to see on a daily basis. Or is this something where, you know, the camp circuit is really important as far as judging the talent level of, of these, you know, of cornerbacks is, or is that something that you genuinely can just see on, on film from a Friday night? Yeah, I think with seven on seven um, and then the camp circuit, like you said, but really seven on seven and how much that's just taken off, not only like high school seven on seven, but, you know, like Adidas, Nike, you know, all those teams that are they're everywhere. You know, he plays a fast seven-on-seven, seven, which is an Adidas team out of Houston, uh, around a lot of good wide receivers, a lot of the other good, uh, really good cornerbacks in this class. And so, you know, you're able to measure him up. You know, this offseason was a little bit weird uh, with everything kind of being canceled and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think with how the spread offenses and stuff are going, cornerback is one of those positions that, you can get a lot of film on from their high school career. Then you can watch them seven on seven, stuff like that. There's not a lot of physical like growth that, you know, has to happen. Right. Like uh, Jalen Green's probably, you know, only 15, 20 pounds heavier than he was when he graduated high school. So it's not like offensive line or defensive line where you have to see how a person uh, matures physically over, you know, turning 17 to 18 to 19 to 20. Um, so I think it is easier in that way. And then the way that, offenses are ran now uh you get to see them more than maybe 25 years ago when a, a top flight cornerback you know may not even see a ball or two his game with how much passing was going on or how little passing was going on i think nowadays there's enough ways to see a guy on friday and over the summer uh, to really have a good idea as good of an idea as you can when in terms of recruiting on kind of who to go after and who uh, still has some stuff to work on uh, from that transition from high school to college now, Jalen has a teammate at Port Arthur Memorial who is in Texas's 2021 class, uh, defensive lineman Jordan Thomas. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm curious, 
when you are a commit like Jordan has been for the past few months, um, I, for, I forget when exactly he he committed, but he's been he's been with Texas for a little bit, and a teammate of yours gets on Texas's radar and is someone that Texas wants. Do you turn into a recruiter? Um, are you putting the full court press whenever you see him in the weight room or in the locker room or in, in the hallways at class if uh, Port Arthur is back in school? Or do these kids kind of respect the process a little bit more these days and they know what it was like when they were getting recruited and maybe they back off and only give advice if, if it's asked for? I think it's a combination of both. And some of it probably has to do with the, the individual relationships. You know, some teammates are closer to – uh, others than you know everybody else you know or whatever like not all co-workers are as close as they are to every co-worker same with teammates and stuff like that and so uh, it depends on how close uh, the other commit is to the guy you're going after but it can't hurt right I mean having somebody in your locker room that you know and you trust and you enjoy and you're kind of from the same area and have gone through the same stuff and know the same people and et cetera et cetera um, that stuff can't hurt when you're talking about moving to a to a different place and you're you know say Texas is competing with LSU, Oklahoma, and A&M, and you know for a fact somebody that you know you like um, and you have stuff in common with is going to be in the locker room with you when you get to Texas, that, that can't hurt. Now, I don't think anybody ever really makes that decision solely based on that. I mean, this is a, a big-time life decision that I hope is, you know, getting more factors in it than just that, but it's an important variable, and I, I think any of us, right, we like to know uh, people and have a little bit of familiarity in situations that we're walking into. So I think every coach, every college tries to lean on those relationships a little bit um, between either, even if you have a friend at a different school that's coming in, you know, it can't hurt. I think uh, peers recruiting peers is probably the most effective strategy in recruiting. And so, yeah, uh, you ask those guys uh, to be in the ear and kind of, you know, kind of uh, reiterate the points you make on the phone and through text and different recruiting strategies. Speaking of high school teammates on UT's radar, uh, Texas would surely love to get commitments from the teammates of 2020 signee uh, Xavier Alford and 2021 commit Hayden Connor. Uh, what's the latest on Terrence Cooks and uh, Bryce Foster? I think uh, Terrence Cooks still in the mix, right? Texas uh, has kind of been the favorite from him from the very beginning. He kind of keeps a low profile. And so without the camps and being able to go see him in spring football and then uh, the circuit over the summer and stuff, it's kind of been quiet on his side. So, It'll be interesting to go see him uh, this fall for a game. They have a big game this weekend. They're playing against North Shore. That'll be one of the bigger games in the state. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of as reporters get to his games, kind of what he's saying. But I think Texas is still in good shape there. I think Oklahoma is the, the safe bet for Bryce Foster. He's the, the best interior prospect uh, in the state at offensive line, in my opinion. And, and if I had to put money on it right now, I think the Sooners are probably in the, in the best uh, position for him. Uh, now, Jalen Gilba, going back to him, he's the third member of the 2022 class at UT. Uh, this week on your dotted line column, you've been um, writing about a lot of the 2022 recruits. The Texas fans should know. I mean, obviously, they should know Jalen. They should know Quinn Ewers, the quarterback from South Lake Carroll. They should know uh, Faison Wilson, the, the receiver from Lancaster. But you gave five offensive and five defensive recruits that should be on the, the radar for Longhorn fans. Um, we're not going to go through all 10. I just kind of wanted to go through three or four that kind of stood out to me when I was reading, kind of get a scouting report um, of those guys. First, the best name in the group, uh, Bear Alexander. Of course, he has to be someone who plays in the trenches. He's a defensive tackle for Denton Ryan. That means he's a current teammate of Jatavian Sanders, Billy Bowman. What should we know about Bear aside from his great name? 
I mean, he's like 6'3", 310 pounds, and, and he's probably lost weight to get down to 310 pounds. He's just a big, big guy. Um, haven't had a lot of varsity uh, experience. He played at Terrell as a freshman, moved to Dallas Skyline as a sophomore because of the uh, transfer rules. He couldn't play varsity football. He had to play JV. Now he's at Denton Ryan, going to play uh, for a Class 5A state championship contender there uh, with a couple other Texas commits. So just a big guy in the middle of a defense, defensive tackle that I really want to see. I mean, he dominated on the junior varsity level. So it, it's just time to kind of see how he – how that translates uh, from people that I've, I've known that have been to his scrimmages and stuff like that. He looks really good. So probably the top defensive tackle to know in the 2022 class for Texas fans. A side rant from me, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, I understand why there's transfer rules, but sometimes there's just cases where it just doesn't help anyone. And I don't see how having someone like Bear Alexander playing JV football helps anyone. I know, you know, there's been a couple of cases where there's been a high profile, uh, basketball transfer in the Austin area. I remember LaShawn Higgs, who just wrapped up her career at Texas when she was at Cedar Ridge, and she transferred in from a Houston school, and they made her play JV basketball. Just how much of a joke it was uh, having one of the nation's top prospects playing uh, playing JV, JV basketball. She looked disinterested. Um, the, the people she was playing just couldn't guard her, obviously, and that was demoralizing for them. So there's just some of these cases where I just, I just don't get it. But moving on um, – Del Valley receiver Caleb Burton. That makes him a, a local, a local kid. Comes from a athletic family. His dad, who's his coach at Del Valley, um, played uh, football at Syracuse. Was a linebacker who had a cup of coffee, I believe, in the NFL. His sister's a really good softball player who is currently at uh, Texas Tech. Uh, what do we need to know about Caleb? Is he possibly the top receiver in the state? Well, I mean, if you look at twenty four seven and rivals, you know, he's considered the top wide receiver in the nation. And so having a guy uh local that's like that is, is big for Texas. Now, um, you know, it's tough, right? When you're not an Austinite, when you're not completely from Austin, you know, he's here because his dad's a football coach and this is where his dad is coaching football. You know, maybe you didn't grow up a Texas fan and stuff like that, and so people are gonna look at it like, ah, gotta get this local kid. Why didn't he come to Texas or whatever? And so the Longhorns are going to have, be in a battle with it. pretty much every single major program in the nation. It's going to be tough for them to get him here. But uh, he's getting Garrett Wilson-type uh, comparisons, um, somebody who, you know, really athletic, not a huge guy. I think he only weighs 170, 175 pounds. Um, but really athletic, can jump, can play basketball right. You know, one of those kind of guys uh, who can really go up and get it, can be a downfield threat. So uh, seeing him kind of mature into an upperclassman with all of that height, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how he does uh, in his junior year, not a team that has the greatest, you know, quarterback play. So he's not going to put up like 80 catches, a thousand yards, something like that, that you would see if he was at Lake Travis or Westlake, but uh, considered a really good player. And, and it's time to see if he kind of lives up to that hype uh, as an upperclassman. Let's talk about Dickinson tight end, uh, Donovan Green. Now, tight ends don't get a lot of love from us um, on this, uh, on this podcast in part because there's not a lot of tight ends out there, but um, Texas has been talking a lot about tight ends recently. Tom Herman, Mike Yurcich, even Sam Ellinger, um, because of their usage of the 12 personnel in the um, UTEP game and kind of talk about that in the offseason. Obviously, Texas is wanting to get some tight ends on, on campus. Now, Donovan's the only tight end that's been offered so far in this 2022 class. Uh, what do we need to know about him? And is he someone that can step in and be the next Cade Brewer, the next Malcolm Epps, the next Jared Wiley? Yeah, I, I think tight end is probably one of those positions that's harder to uh, offer early than, say, wide receiver or maybe even other offensive uh, positions there just because, you know, we're not going to know who those guys are yet. It's going to be hard for a sophomore to really make 
a huge impact at the tight end position. You have to be really, really good. You know, it already be that big and that athletic to kind of play that position. So um, Donovan uh, Green, really good player. I'm going to actually go see him on Thursday. I'll be up in Dickinson uh, to see Dickinson versus Sherman. So I kind of get an in-person scouting report. Um, some of these younger guys, it's kind of hard to get a read other than, you know, just watching some of their highlight films because we didn't get to see them uh, all spring and all summer and stuff like that. So uh, to kind of see him be able to block, be able to run, um, you know, I think he's the best tight end in this 2022 class, but that doesn't mean some other names uh, won't emerge at the position. Uh, finally, Christian Driver. He's a defensive back at Argyle Liberty Christian. If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you know his dad, Donald. Um, I think Donald was on Dancing with the Starts too at one point. So maybe yeah, if you're a yeah. pop, uh, pop culture fan, that name rings a bell. What do Texas know, fans need to know about uh, Christian? How good um, can, can he possibly be? Yeah, he's, a, he's a player that I need to go see. I have yet to see him uh, play, which is pretty unusual when a guy gets to his junior year. But, he, you know, he's a private school guy. And without camps and everything this summer because of COVID and the spring and stuff like that, um, just haven't been able to see him play. He seems um, like a really good player on film. He's fast. He's big enough. He checks kind of all those boxes uh, that you want to see. Texas is pretty big on him. He was on campus not too long ago on kind of like a – his own visit, you know, you can still, you know, just come to towns, come to visit, you know, campuses if you want to come see it for yourself and stuff like that. So I was definitely a guy who's on Texas's radar and somebody who uh, I'm really interested to kind of go see and get an in-person uh, read on this uh, as a junior. Uh, this past weekend, you actually got to go to a football game. Uh, I'm sure that was kind yeah. of a good, good experience. Uh, with you, and as we'll hear in this upcoming audio, you know, you have the band playing. You had to watch live football. I'm sure that was that was fun and a return to normalcy for you. But you were in Hallettsville to talk to um, Jonathan Brooks, who rushed for over 200 yards, scored four times. It's Hallettsville beat Rice Consolidated. Uh, let's uh, tune into your interview with uh, Jonathan and hear what he had to say about his recruitment and what's next for him. So here with Jonathan Brooks, Hallettsville High School, four touchdowns over 200 yards. I guess uh, for you, what's it like to have a couple games in your belt now? Is it starting to feel like normal after kind of a weird offseason? Uh, yeah, so, you know, it feels normal. It feels good to be back with the team, with the whole team, and communicating better and just working as a team and getting wins. You know, I watched the Shiner game on stream. Now I saw you playing cornerback today, kind of all over the place. What's it like to kind of be versatile, be counted on so many different spots? Uh, you know, if, if there's somebody who can play the spot better than me, it's put them there, and then I'll play whatever they were playing or put me in a spot where I can help the team. And I'll do anything to help the team and do what I can do. Now, after an offseason, that was really weird for everybody, right? Yes, sir. I mean, how much more special does that make this kind of stuff? Uh, you know, it feels good because we didn't know if we were going to be capable of having a season this year. And having my senior year playing with the great teammates I have, it feels good to be back on the field and winning games. What's it like to have kind of recruiting out of the way and just kind of have that whole circus just done? Uh, you know, it's, it's actually good. I used to wake up every morning and have emails and texts from coaches, and it kind of got a little bit overwhelming and stuff. What was it about Texas? You know, you had many options. Kind of what was it about the Longhorns? Uh, the coaches are great. You know, they kept it real, and uh, the atmosphere is great, and it's close to home. Stan Drayton, a lot of co- a lot of players kind of talk about him being an integral part. Uh, what is he like behind the scenes? Uh, you know, he likes me as a player, and not only as a player, but off the field as a like a like a man behind the scenes. Like you know what I mean? And he yeah. just he's a great person, and he's put he coached Ezekiel Elliott, so he knows what he's doing. He's coached a lot of NFL backs and stuff. Um, take me back to your sophomore year to now. Where do you think you've improved kind of the most? Uh, just believing in myself and working as a team. 
and we didn't have the numbers my sophomore year. We got a lot more numbers now, but just believing in myself and working as a team. What are the goals for you the rest of the way out? Uh, most definitely continue to win and hopefully go to state. Is there one or two things you really want to work on before you get to campus, or is it just kind of everything improving? Just everything improving. And then what excites you most about kind of the college game and getting to UT? Uh, just, I, mean, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's going to feel unreal. All right, Mike, what was your overall thoughts on what you saw in Hallettsville? Like we said, really good game for Jonathan, but what did you see it from him, the player? Yeah, I mean, I, I, he was really impressive. Now, Rice Consolidated isn't that great uh, of a football program. He's playing Class 3A. Uh, football so he absolutely is kind of that d1 prospect on the field and there's not many others uh, that are on his level so he's absolutely supposed to dominate and he did uh, but yeah I mean he looks the part he's really fast he's athletic has great vision um, he showed a willingness to play multiple positions he had played linebacker against Shiner in a game I'd watched online so I expected to see him play that defensively he was starting at corner so he's clearly a guy who will play uh, wherever, which kind of, you know, tends lends itself to being a team first dude. So I think Texas did a really good job of identifying and finding him. Stan Drayton uh, may be the best recruiter on the staff right now at the running back position. So, uh, and Stan, I trust until proven otherwise. So uh, I was overly impressed with John the Brooks. I think he's a borderline four-star guy if he wasn't at a program at Hallettsville that just isn't seen by a lot of people for obvious reasons. We've talked in the past about Texas being you know, really on you know LJ Johnson's recruiting radar, another running back in the state. Does Texas need to get LJ, or if they can't land him and he decides to go elsewhere, are they fine with just Jonathan Brooks being their only running back, or you know do they need LJ or another running back in this class? Yeah, you know, I, I think need may be too strong of a word just because of the eligibility rules of this year. You know, not not losing eligibility after this year. I think kind of alleviate some of that pressure for not just Texas at running back, but uh, almost every position for every program. If you don't find the guys in 2021 uh, that you, you that you kind of targeted early, instead of kind of going down your recruiting board and reaching for a guy you normally maybe wouldn't, um, now you can make that decision to go, okay, we'll just save that scholarship and go 2022 because in theory, guys won't leave. The problem at running back is you know you don't know with how the short the the shelf life being so low you know if you have nfl aspirations you're going to try to get out of here as quickly as possible and that holds true everywhere in the nation you're trying to get to the second contract in the nfl and the less you play in college the quicker that happens so if you think bajon robinson or sean johnson even keontae ingram are, are nfl guys that are going to be gone by the time these guys kind of really kind of hit their stride on campus then getting a second running back in 2021 becomes important. I don't know who that would be if LJ Johnson passes, um, because right now they would probably need to go out and offer somebody new. Um, but I would not be surprised if they get two running backs on campus no matter what. I still think they end up with LJ Johnson, so I don't know how much of a conversation it will need to be down the road, but I do think they feel like two running backs is the way to go this year. One thing that Jonathan said in his interview that we just played that kind of stood out to me was kind was him talking about what a relief it is kind of that he uh, the, his recruitment's over. He's committed to Texas. He's firm on his commitment. So he's not waking up and having a bunch of emails from people trying to you know recruit him. And maybe he's not hearing as much from coaches. And I was just kind of curious, generally what happens when a kid does commit? Do other college coaches uh, respect that? Are they still – full board we'll wait until you actually sign a piece of paper or is it one of those things maybe maybe we'll just check in every 
once a while now, as opposed to, you know, hitting you up every day or once a week. How does, do coaches kind of back off once that commitment's actually said? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they respect it uh, in a way, you know, they're going to still reach out and see how much communication they give back. And if a committed prospect still talking to them and, and you know, reaching out themselves and, and being interactive and stuff, I think they keep the full court press on. If that first week or month after a commitment happens, they start to, you know, hear less and less from the recruit. Maybe they send a couple of texts or DMs and they don't hear anything back. I think you get the hint. You kind of move on a lot like dating, you know, like I think recruiting is, is a lot like dating in a lot of ways like this. Um, but with Jonathan, I think it helps because, you know, a three-star guy that didn't have 50 offers, didn't have some of those big dogs coming after him in the recruiting game. So I think he commits to Texas and the other offers on his list go, okay, we're not going to swing him uh, from UT. Let's go and move on to something more realistic. I don't know if he gets respected in the decision as much if he's a five-star defensive end with offers from everywhere in the country and that kind of stuff. That's, that's when it gets crazy is for that one or 2% of the recruits that are those headline five-star recruits from everywhere. I think for those guys, until they sign a piece of paper, it is you know, probably drama and crazy and constantly blowing up their phone throughout the process. Uh, before we get out of here, we got to make a stop by Craven's Corner, uh, our weekly little chat about gambling. You can check out uh, Mike's uh, written words um, on Wednesday on hook'em.com. It's in print on Thursday. when uh, So you can read that um, with your print newspaper as, as you listen to this podcast. But Texas, Texas Tech, Longhorns are favored by 18. Uh, I believe this is Texas's biggest spread on the road against a conference opponent since that Kansas game in 2016, which we know how that kind of ended up. But uh, is this too many points for a conference game, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I think this is that perfect week where, you know, Texas Tech looked really bad against Houston Baptist. Texas looked really good against UTEP. Um, I, so I think we're overreacting to both. I think Texas Tech is better than what they showed against Houston Baptist. I don't know what we can even, you know, take from the UTEP game. So 18 points is more than two touchdowns and a field goal, so I'm going to take it. I'm not that confident with it, right? You know, I mean, I, I think Texas is clearly the better team, and so we're getting to just, you know, kind of how bad do they beat Texas Tech by. Um, but Texas Tech is usually pretty good at home against Texas. You know, they don't always win the game, but it's usually pretty close. I know it'll be different without fans in the stands and all that kind of stuff. But first road trip of the season, coming off of such a great game against UTEP, everybody's feeling good. Uh, it's the opposite in Lubbock. I just, I just think it's one of those games where, uh, you know, both kind of regress to the mean and it's a little closer game than everybody's expecting. I'm curious if you think the line would be lower if the stadium Jones AT&T stadium was going to be hundred percent capacity. And what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is typically these lines, if I'm, you correct me if I'm wrong, the home team typically gets three points if they're at home. Um, it sways three right. points in their, in their favor. Does that exist during these uh, COVID times while the stadiums are, 25% full or maybe 0% full or are the people who make the lines now judging things kind of straight up and not given that three point advantage? Yeah, I actually, I was writing the Cravens corner for this week today earlier. And so I've, I've been kind of looking at that, like, cause that's, that's something I'm curious about too. For example, this week, Louisiana or Louisville is playing Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is a two and a half point favorite at home. And that's just, it's crazy to me. There's no way without the three points, Pittsburgh is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a pick em game if it's at a neutral site. I think Louisville is favored if they're at home. So I think it's just so ingrained in us, like the idea of getting on a bus or getting in a plane and going to a hotel and 
being in a different locker room and playing a different game. I think we're so used to that being a challenge and that being harder than playing at home that even without fans, betters are still leaning towards taking the home home teams. And so uh, I, I don't have proof, right? I don't uh, know for a fact. I don't know how we would quantify that, you know, factually. But it does seem to me that the three points is still getting looped uh, to the home team. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know uh, if they would be favored any more or any less. But in my opinion, uh, they're still getting that three points, it seems like, throughout, you know, the kind of the betting world if you're looking at home teams seem to be getting the benefit of the doubt through two weeks of, of football, three weeks of football now. So are there any NFL or NCAA bets that you like? Kind of seems like you're wanting to jump on that Louisville line. Yeah, I'm going to take Louisville. Again, it's the same. I think you know, early on, always look for overreactions because, you know, we spend six, seven months thinking we know a team, they come out and they play bad or they play really well and we overreact and we jump on them. It's, a lot of times it tends to just end up being what we thought was going to be true. I don't think Louisville is as bad as we think they are just because they lost to Miami. I think Miami is pretty good and they scored 34 points in that game. So. I think uh, I think the Louisville plus two and a half against Pittsburgh is probably my my lock bet of the week. Awesome. Well, we are going to get out of here. Um, what are you working on the rest of the week? Obviously, you got your dotted line column. You got Craven's Corner. Uh, what are you working on the rest of the week? And where are you going to be this weekend, uh, game wise? So Thursday, we'll put out kind of a schedule of where everybody's playing. I know this year, not everybody, you know, you can't really just jump out and go to games, but with streams and stuff like that, I think it's good to know kind of who's playing and where they're playing. So 11 of Texas's commitments um, are playing this week somewhere. Uh, so we'll put that on Thursday. And then I will be in uh, Dickinson um, or Denison, I'm sorry, on Thursday uh, to watch. Uh, Jadarian Price, the running back uh, from up there. Uh, Friday, I'm going to see Denton Ryan at AT&T Stadium. So that'll be a couple Texas commits plus Bear Alexander that we mentioned. Um, and then Saturday, I think I'm on TCU Iowa State. If uh, if the college game I am scheduled actually happens to go, uh, I think I'm at TCU Iowa State on Saturday. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, it's kind of been a toss-up with you and your schedule recently, it seems. Yep. But we're going to get out of here. Um, as always, we appreciate y'all listening to our, our podcast each week. Um, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and Google Podcast app. We appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Thursday. Later. Peace.